Hello and welcome to the podcast Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan Zimmerman. Hi, Kelly. Good morning, guys. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. The coronavirus is here, and with it comes stricter social etiquette rules, which boil down to keep your hands to yourself. Before, you might shake hands or hug and kiss to greet someone. But did you catch Germany's interior minister decline Angela Merkel's handshake last week? These days, and for the near future, experts suggest you swap traditional greetings with elbow bumps, fist bumps, waves, or namaste bows. NBA players are urged not to high-five fans. At Catholic Mass, churchgoers skip the traditional sign of peace handshake and forego wine from a common cup. Starbucks no longer allows customers to bring their own mugs. The threat of coronavirus transmission is changing long-held practices, and we're going to talk about those today. This is etiquette in the era of the coronavirus. It's part protocol, part public service announcement, as we remind our listeners about the best ways to prevent transmission. We don't know the extent of the coronavirus outbreak yet, so it's best to be educated and prepared. I used to have a co-worker who would show up to work no matter how sick he was. He wanted to save his paid time off for vacations, not sick days. Okay, fine. But if you're in the next cubicle blowing green snot, you're putting all of us at risk for becoming sick. So, first rule, if you're sick, stay home. With coronavirus in mind, if you have mild respiratory symptoms and suspect the virus, call your doctor and triage remotely. If your symptoms are accompanied by fever and a cough, call the doctor or the ER ahead of time and tell them you're coming in. They will want to mask you when you get there and also ask about any recent traveling you've done. Today, Kelly is going to give us some prevention guidance. Mike is going to talk about travel and I'll offer preparation tips. Now, there's a lot of information online and on social media, some of it true, some of it not. For this show, we've researched on the World Health Organization website and the Center for Disease Control website, and I recommend you also stick to reputable sources. Be cautious, not afraid, doctors warn. So Kelly, you're a mother of three. I'm sure you've been through many flu seasons. I've read the prevention tips online, and it strikes me as standard precautions for flu season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, based on what I've read, I think that's exactly true. I think everyone should use heightened flu season measures, and that's really what medical personnel are recommending. As of today, March 6th, worldwide, there are 100,000 cases of the coronavirus. So it's spreading, but and it's a threat, but it's not, when you look at 100,000 people as compared to the population of the world, it's not that significant. What is being recommended is that you keep your immune system strong, you have adequate sleep, hydration, and eat well, eat nutritiously. I also would say exercise is important. If you don't want to go to the gym, just go outside and walk, or if you're Mike, you cross-country ski because of the weather. Um, <laughs> That's <so> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but where cross-country you, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, where Marna is in Williamsburg and where I am in the Philadelphia area, it's been, it's been lovely, and so getting out for a mile walk is just great. The second thing that's recommended, and it may be the most important thing, is hand washing. 
which is huge. And it's not just hand washing, but it's doing it properly, which is for at least 20 seconds and covering the whole hand, being sure you cover the back of your hands with soap, your thumbs, in between your fingers, um, inside the fingernails, and really scrub for the 20 seconds and rinse well. If for some reason you can't hand wash, you can use an alcohol-based hand rub but it's just not as good, Uh, but it's better than nothing. The third thing I'd say, and it's right up there with hand washing, and you read it every day in the newspapers on the CDC site, WHO, is keep your hands away from your eyes, nose, and mouth. Keep your hands away from your face, which is really hard, uh, and we don't realize how much we touch our face because that's really how you're going to transmit the virus to yourself is through your eyes, nose, or mouth. A couple other things. You can clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces. Use your Clorox wipes. Also, maintain distance from anyone who appears sick. Six feet is what I've read, especially in the New York Times. Um, And if you're sick, as Marna said, stay home. Seek medical attention. Um, And then the last couple of things, which I think are interesting and I wasn't that aware of, is to thoroughly cook meat and eggs since the virus originally was transmitted from animals to humans. Now it's human to human, but it originally was transmitted from animals to humans. Yeah, I didn't know that. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know it either. That would be it for prevention, I think. I think if you can implement those steps and especially stick to the hand washing and keeping your hands away from your nose, mouth, and eyes. How about uh, sneeze hygiene? My kids had to teach me proper sneeze hygiene because uh, I have a long-held hab- habit of uh, sneezing into my, you know, my hand. Right. But they te- the kids get taught at school to sneeze into their elbow. Right. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, that, that is something that I read as well, and that's important to note. Or into a tissue and then throw the tissue away. Right. And, you know, that, another thing that I read yesterday was to have a box of tissues nearby. And anytime you want to touch your face, even if it's just to push your glasses up or, or, you know, if you have to itch or something, grab a clean tissue and use that as a layer between you and touching your face. Good idea. Or wash your hands first. Now, what about, I see all these people um, out in public with masks on. What about buying these masks and wearing them. Is that good prevention? Well, everything I've read has indicated that we shouldn't be buying masks, that they're needed for healthcare workers and or for people who have compromised immune systems to prevent them from getting ill from others. I I would say for your average healthy person, a mask is not needed. So save that supply for the healthcare workers and people caring for a sick family member or something like that. Right, or, or, or someone that's elderly that needs to go out shopping that has a compromised immune system or an asthmatic or, you know, somebody that's going through chemo. They're the people that are really at risk, and the masks should be reserved since there is a shortage for them. Yes, and there is also, I noticed, a shortage of Purell. We went to the store yesterday to get some, and they were all out. Oh, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Okay, Mike, you mentioned that you're traveling this week, and you debated it, Mm -hmm. but decided to do it anyway. What did you take into consideration when you made your decision, and what advice can you offer our listeners? Well, I would tell you that the 
you know, we, we did carefully consider whether or not to travel. We're flying from the very northeastern corner of the country to the very southwestern corner of the country, so Plattsburgh, New York, to San Diego, and it's to visit our daughter. So she's been out there for almost a year now, and we haven't been out to see her, and she's in the Marine Corps, so there's really not a lot of time that we can visit her uh, because she's often training or deployed, something like that. So that all being said, we decided to go, but I would tell you that uh, Kathy and I are taking some very deliberate steps to try to make this uh, a safe flight, not only for ourselves, but for others. Kelly, both of you mentioned the masks a moment ago. What I've heard about masks is, you know, you probably already have one. Either you bought one already or you had one kicking around. Yeah, bring it with you, but give it to a person who needs it. It's not for you, you know, if, if you're healthy and you're feeling good. But we're making a little travel kit, for example. We're going to bring some Purell in a small squeeze bottle, less than three ounces, of course, so we can carry it through uh, security. Um, some disinfecting wipes, some disposable tissues, you know, everything you guys have already said. You know, we're going to look at trying to touch as little as possible. You know, one of the things we've been doing, and this sounds silly, but I would encourage all of our listeners to try it, is practice, rehearse. Try to, like, go through the next hour and not touch anything that you don't have to. If you do touch it, or you must touch it, disinfect it. Don't touch your face. Uh, wash your hands as often as you need to based on what you're doing. It's really hard. It's really uh, hard. Yeah. It's yeah. really I mean, hard. I, I'm a yeah. face toucher. <laughs> That's really yeah. impossible almost. So rehearse. Practice at home. Don't let the, the trip to you know the, the airport or whatever be the first time you're thinking this through. I, I was doing it all day yesterday, and it's like, Wow. You know, sounds easy, like so many things in life, but really isn't. So, you know, you guys really covered it pretty well. You know, don't touch others unless you absolutely have to. The other thing I would encourage people is this disease, perhaps it turns into something more serious, will affect us really two different ways. One is the disease itself, and hopefully, you know, as few people get that as possible. But the other is the hysteria that is associated with it. You know, and right now the media, they're doing two things. One, they're informing us, but I would tell you also that they are lathering us up. They're, they're stirring the pot because they're getting eyeballs on screens and they're getting ears listening to radio, and that's how they make money. So this is a big story, and, and they're working it. So, Mike, is it the fake news? I don't like to use that word, Kelly. But yes, there is some, like so many things, I mean, it's watch the Weather Channel for a while, okay? You'd think that the apocalypse has begun if you listen, if you watch the Weather Channel. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you're either going to get hit by a tornado, uh, crushed by a hurricane, you're going to be in a serious drought, or the river's coming up and you're going to be flooded out if you watch too much Weather Channel. So anyhow, same principle applies, you know, stay sane, don't panic, don't fall victim to the hysteria. Don't go out and fill your entire car with toilet paper. Let's all work on this together. And yeah, maybe we're going to need to close our doors and and, uh, hunker down for a, a week or two. You know, make sure you got enough food to eat, but that doesn't mean you need to put in a supply for the next three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, when you travel, are you going to bring, I've seen some people bring those uh, portable sleeves of Clorox wipes. So when they sit on the plane, 
They'll wipe down, you know, any of the hard surfaces, metal surfaces, mm-hmm. non-upholstered surfaces. Yeah, since I can't find any, they all seem to be sold out. I, I've made some, put them in a Ziploc bag. They're like the disposable Windex claws that you get for carrying mm-hmm. in your car. So I've got some of those in both of my vehicles. I'm going to take those. Some of them I know are already dried out, but I'm going to put them in a, um, a Ziploc bag, and I'm going to moisten them all with rubbing alcohol. Yeah, it's going to smell pretty bold, but I will wipe down the tray table. I'll wipe down the armrests, um, anything I'm going to touch in my immediate proximity, because it is a long flight. We're flying um, Montreal to Chicago, Chicago to San Diego. Yeah, I think that's wise. My sister had to travel recently, and I took her to the airport, and she had a big Ziploc bag and took Clorox wipes, put them in there, and wiped down everything on the plane. And I have read, I I don't know how true it is, that the virus can remain on surfaces from two hours to nine days. Wow. Yep. But having said that, I've read that it's easy to kill using a basic disinfectant. And you know, those planes can be petri dishes of all kinds of germs and bacteria. So good for you to wipe everything down. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at. And you know, here I am giving medical device. And I just would like to give a shout out to all my doctor, nurse and PA friends, because I can hear them groaning right now as I dispense medical advice or at least medical (laughs) information this morning. We should say none of us are doctors, (laughs) nor do we play one on TV. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think we're just talking about it as lay people uh, based upon our reading. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, none of us are doctors, but we're just lay people like everyone else who's done a good bit of reading and just talking about common sense solutions so that you can go about your life and hopefully not panic. Now, I do have doctors in my family, two of my sisters and my brother-in-law, and they all subscribe to what Dr. Michael Zapor said. He's an infectious disease physician. He says it's important for people to have a realistic understanding of the disease caused by it without succumbing to hysteria. To date, SARS-CoV-2, which is the medical designation of coronavirus, has shown itself to be a respiratory viral pathogen most commonly causing mild self-limiting illness with more severe disease limited to certain susceptible populations. In China, 80% of the cases were mild and 20% were severe, mainly affecting older population and people with underlying medical conditions. So let's keep perspective on this. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's a great point, Marna. And I, again, I would, I would appeal to our listeners not to panic. You know, one of the things you see, I just read it in the headlines this morning, is there's a handful of states, additional states overnight, who have declared emergencies. And so if you take that at face value and you say, oh my, now we have an emergency in my state, what that really means is that, yes, there's an outbreak. Yes, you need to be careful. Yes, you probably should avoid going to the place where the outbreak is. But the emergency is a governmental function which allows them to unlock money and appeal for, you know, a county, for example, can appeal for state aid and a state can appeal for federal aid. But that's more the function of declaring these emergencies than saying that the entire state is in in an emergency. So folks need to keep that in mind. Again, we can't fall victim to, you know, mass hysteria, because that's just going to make things worse. I I agree, Mike, but I would say one thing. The coronavirus is very dangerous for folks who have chronic illnesses or weakened immune systems. 
And also for those over 65, the statistics change significantly. So I do think that we need to be mindful of that. And particularly if you're somebody that's over 65 or suffers from a chronic illness or has a weakened immune system, you really do need to be very careful. And I know, for example, with my mom who has some health issues, my siblings and I are concerned. And we feel like fairly soon we're going to need to say, hey, mom, we're going to bring you stuff. You need to stay home. Yeah, because no, that's, if that's she, really good point. And uh, Mike, I just want to follow up on your travel. Many of the airlines are waiving the change fees for um, domestic flights. So if you decide not to travel because you think the risks are too high, call the airline. Yeah, and that's a great point. Yeah. Ask for a refund or credit. Uh, also, I heard uh, somebody on the, the news saying travel insurance is a good idea now. Also, stay on top of updates regarding route cancellations and international travel and things like that. You can do that easily online. It's a great point, Martin. I mean, United has begun to cancel flights outright and consolidate passengers to other flights. So, you know, what you think you're going to do in terms of air travel um, in the next couple of weeks may, in fact, uh, be changed. You need to stay on top of it. Right. And I was just going to mention a few tips that I found for being prepared, forewarned, forearmed. And, you know, this is kind of standard practice. When we lived in the Northeast, I kept a hurricane preparedness box ready with blankets and food and water and all that stuff, flashlights. If you if you do get the coronavirus, there's a 14-day quarantine. So it's a good idea to make sure you have laid on a supply of your usual medications, prescriptions, and your pet's meds too. Make sure you have other supplies on hand to last for 14 days because you'll want to stay home as we mentioned. Also, if you have kids, call the school and talk to the administrators and see what their plans are in case there's a shutdown. And also anticipate your own work situation. If there is a school shutdown, find out if you can work from home, telecommute, work remotely, part-time hours, whatever. Also, I live in a college town, so spring breaks, I think it's starting this week. And I know that college administrators are concerned that the students are going to be bringing things back to the campus from other points. So I'll be monitoring that situation too. Yeah, that's good. I mean, if at some point it may become advisable to avoid areas where you don't know where people have been. Now, clearly, my wife and I are taking a risk here in traveling through two major American airports in the next 24 hours. But all indications are that if you take decent precautions, that's going to be okay. But again, that might change in the next week or two. So we all need to stay as well informed as we can and avoid, like Kelly mentioned earlier, avoid, you know, media reports which are inflammatory or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call them. I think you used the word fake news, Kelly. Yeah, I'm just following our president's lead. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of airtime, and they have a lot of airspace to fill, so just buyer beware. I'd recommend going to those other websites that I mentioned earlier first. We will be right back with some endnotes and some listener email. Stick with us. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. This is the part of our show where we like to leave you with something to think about for the coming week. Kelly, do you have an end note for us? So as far as the coronavirus is concerned, 
the vast majority of people infected only have mild symptoms and they make a full recovery. So in summary, I would say keep calm and carry on. <laughs> have supplies, just as Marna mentioned, in case you need to remain at home for several weeks, plenty of food, plenty of water for everyone in your family, for your pets. Have basic medications, Tylenol and Advil particularly, since they're the pain relievers and fever reducers. And also have 30 to 60 days of your prescription meds on hand. A lot of this is a personal decision, and it's based upon your own risk tolerance as far as going out into the community, traveling like Mike is doing. And this makes sense, so long as you're not ill and putting others at risk. If you're ill, please stay home because your behavior can really impact others, particularly those who are elderly and have compromised immune systems. Yes, considering other people, that's one of the principles of this show. Exactly. Mike, what would you like to say? We've talked about a lot of wonderful things that you can do to avoid the coronavirus directly. And those are all important. I'm not under understating those in the least. But I'd recommend that folks work on their own personal resilience, which means, you know, we know something's coming. Maybe it's already here. But let's get healthy. Make yourself less likely to be affected by it. Do the things you know to, to do, but maybe you haven't gotten to yet. Get enough sleep. Reduce stress. Make sure you're well hydrated. Clean up your diet. Exercise so your body is strong and fit. And I think if you look, epidemiologists talk about the resilience of a population. And so that's another angle we should all consider. We have responsibility for ourselves. We should make ourselves more resilient. So that's my thought for our listeners today. Timeless advice. And I have a quote from the Surgeon General. Actually, the Surgeon General tweeted this on February 29th. Seriously, people, stop buying masks. They're not effective in preventing the general public from catching the virus. But if healthcare providers can't get them to care for our sick patients, it puts them and our communities at risk. That's a tweet from the Surgeon General. That's good. That's really good. We'll be right back with some listener email. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. We are at the listener email section of our show, and we had some email from a listener this week. Kelly's going to tell us about it. Kelly? Thanks, Marna. So our listener wrote in because she wanted to share an inheritance story. So I'm going to read it, and then we can discuss it. She says, Dad died. Sister moved in with Mom for what was supposed to be a short term. Mom was fine then, but years later developed early dementia. Sister never moved out and only contributed minimally financially. She worked full-time and went to her boyfriend's house on weekends. When mom became more forgetful, we hired a companion to come in for several hours a week. After seven years, mom died. Sister continued to live in mom's house. This went on for a few more years while my brother and I made sporadic suggestions that she buy the house, which she expressed was her desire. She always seemed to have an excuse for not buying the house. Her boyfriend is not especially ethical, and we suspected he was suggesting to her that she deserved the house since she helped to take care of mom. There was never an agreement between the siblings that some level of care was in exchange for a house. My brother and I were not being successful in getting her to move out or to buy the house, so we ended up hiring a lawyer to scare her into action. This worked, and she bought the house. Now she and I don't speak. She has minimal contact with my brother. So that's our listener story, inheritance. 
Oh, and tough. what advice would you give her, Kelly? Um, I don't think I'd give advice. I think she just wanted to share what she went through. What I would say is, I think she absolutely did the right thing. It sounds like she and her brother handled the situation with patience and grace. It's really unfortunate that her sister seemed to think she was entitled to her mother's home. Even though her mother did not leave it to her, she lived there for years. The listener's story says she lived there for seven years and contributed very little while the mom was alive and also was working full-time and often spending weekends away at the boyfriend's. And then after the mother's death, she continued to live there a few years more and refused to buy it. So if she's working full-time and spending weekends at her boyfriend's, when is she taking care of her mother? Yeah. In the fact scenario, our listener says they had to hire a companion to come into the home. So I just think the sister's conduct is <laughs> reprehensible. It's ridiculous, the position she took. Yeah, it's hard to deal with somebody with that mentality. Yeah. And she obviously sincerely thought she had a right to the family home when she had a brother and sister who also had an interest in it. And it's clear that the mother did not leave the home to her. What do you all think? Yeah, this is a great example of how things don't get better with time. If you add up all those years, I think it's somewhere around 10. That's a long time, 10 years, to let this fester, and maybe that's why they're not speaking anymore. So having conversations early and often, like we've talked about time and again in our two inheritance episodes, is is really important. Here's another example of that. Yeah, I agree, Mike. I think communication early on might have helped, although the sister seems really out of touch. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for that email. We love hearing from our listeners. So if you have anything you would like to send us, comments, scenarios, we'd love to get them. You can do it on our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com. If you want to support what we're doing, recommend our podcast to your friends and family members and leave a positive review wherever you listen to podcasts. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Thanks for being with us this week, and please join us again next week for an all-new episode. See you then.